my brother. Hello, everybody. I'm Brad Grunny Grunberg, aka Snacks, and this is show number 15, I believe. And my partner there, introduce yourself. I am Eric the Fish Snyder on the Fat Fish Podcast, and we're going to go old school today with someone that I have seen right now for the first time in 40 years. Wow. Ash Gindy. Give it up for Ash Gindy. Yeah, Ash Gindy. I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard three claps. <laughs> no one's watching this, Gindy. No one's yeah. watching this. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Okay. Let, let's let's go through the let, let's go through the uh, the moments of our archives and our library. And I looked at your resume right. since, not, and I haven't seen you in so long. Is there anything you haven't done in the world? Number one, and number two, I have to tell you, when I first met you on October fourth, nineteen eighty-two, I said, "What the f is this guy doing working in a nightclub that caters to college people?" Because I'm going to say something, Ash. This was the uniform back then. That is me and Tony Visick on opening night. You were there. That's the uniform, okay? That's what we had to wear. The shirt. Good-looking guy. Yeah, well, look, this is what Ash had to wear. That's Ash's uniform. What? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Ash, we, this place was packed. Mom's saloon was packed every single night. Ash was a carryover from a place called the Jumping Frog Saloon, which they remade in the Mom's Saloon. Ash is this kid. Now, this is Ash when I first met him. That's what Ash looked like. That's Ash. Oh, oh. Remember Holy that? Holy moly. Yeah. That looks like my sister. Is that my sister's picture? <laughs> no, that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was my mom. Oh, sorry. It's my mom. That well, guy. If, you were, if you were once a woman, it's okay in today's culture. But uh, saying that, um, he we worked this bar, Brad, and you've been in there a million times. You shot a TV show there. You sweat your ass off every shift. It was so busy, and he came from a, uh, the Jumping Frog Saloon, by the way, was a regular bar that catered to a Brentwood crowd, elite crowd. Then he walks into this establishment, which is caters to everyone, and it's dance floors. The guy never had a bead of sweat on his forehead, not one. We we had towels. We had Other guys had towels on their shoulder, like Jerry Tarkany and John Thompson. And <laughs> right? This guy walked out, hair like that, and all I noticed was, I said to Tony Bishop, the guy you just saw in that picture, I said, this guy scores women. I'm hanging out with him. This man is a stick man from the old country. Buddy, let me ask you, you have the beautiful yes. wife. She's gorgeous. But let's, how much tail did that, show that picture again, please. Which one, this one? Yeah, uh. that, just leave that there. How much tail <laughs> did this guy get back in the 80s? I mean, look at you. You're like model, you're like a model type. I mean- you got to tell us some stories. I mean, celebrities were in there. You must have done some real tapping around, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Oh, now he's silent. Oh, he's silent. <laughs> never the loss of words his entire life. I, mean, I remember Michael J. Fox. I remember Michael J. Fox at least. Anyway, in the picture. No, um, very kind of you, but um, how do I say this? It Say was the truth. LA. You're on. It you're under oath. Okay. It was L.A. '80s. We were very actually we were very unique for Brentwood because suddenly we we are a place that is attracting everybody and their mother, and we are the cheapest place in town. And the formula worked: cheap booze, great music, young people, pretty people, food delivered to you, and it just worked and we were all young so i mean i i, I don't think i was any different um from it oh there's my cat <laughs> she heard it sorry can you see her she's, 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 about long your, pussy. she's from your she's pussy. From, yeah talking about girls there is my favorite um so as you're a very uh, humble guy let's get right down to it yes as you had the gift of gab you had the movie star good looks, and let's. Did you date one girl back then? Did you date ten girls back then? Were you a free agent? Let's get down to brass tacks. Here. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll I'll tell you a phrase I learned in LA. 
I was, I went out with someone and she said to me, are you a player? And I didn't understand that. I, I, my vocabulary was all from England and she explained it to me and it was very, and I said, yes. And it was the eighties and I, we've established I, the deck. I, I, I made myself feel better to be honest that unless I made a commitment to someone, then I had no, I, I didn't feel guilty that the fact that I wasn't dating one person. And it's still the same to this day. The, the people I have loved in my life, I have never cheated on, but there have been very few, maybe four or five in my life. Outside of that, I've never stayed with one person. And I've felt I had to stay with that person because there wasn't love involved. But when there's love involved, I'm very old school. What so you boring, boring, I know, but also no. my love is sitting beside me. And I, if I say any more detail, she has a knife. Well, <laughs> tell your love this. What I learned from you, because I'm a young kid, 22 years old at the time, and everyone else there was in our young 20s, is the class that you had, that you were, you were so classy and you bartended and there was a score in your girls, your, you know, scores of women that we were all your wingmen. And, you know, you only worked there for less than a year because you, this just wasn't your style. You're the kind of guy to be the bartender in a chic nightclub in Beverly Hills or something like that. This this was not your forte. But what I remember the most about you was your elegance and, and nice. And you didn't put up with all the bullshit. And all. And I, I never asked you never once asked me out. I didn't. Well, I wasn't. Well, no, but I. Yeah, but I asked your sister, who looks just like you, <laughs> which is funny because I don't have a sister. I was actually my <laughs> brother. Yeah. You no, know, no, no, no. actors are walking yeah. there like Rob Lowe and Sean Penn, and take a look at Ash and go, "Oh, we're effed. No way. If this guy's an actor, he's going to beat us out on the next time if we have to go on on an audition." Uh, what I, you know, like I said, you taught me class and elegance because um, I'm you a bartender. Have, you have none. I have none. And, you know, I, I have the mentality now, Ashley, of a 12-year-old. Back then, I was an infant. And just hanging out with you and, and talking. And it's the accent. I think if everyone had that accent that Ash has right now, Ashley has, that beautiful Tudor English accent. Could you imagine? Imagine Brad going to a Passover dinner at his family 30 years ago, right? And his grandpa, Izzy, said, uh, Love, can you please pass the mustard for the Kanish? That would be the uh, Cheers. Instead of, instead of what he really heard was, God damn it, God damn it, where's the mustard for my Kanish? You know, everyone <laughs> needs your accent. We do, have that a again? do that one again. God damn it, God damn it, where's the mustard for my Kanish? That's, 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 that's the way, you know, I, all I'm saying is everyone needs your accent. You're, okay, I think okay, if everyone had an I English have accent, a question for you. I have a question. question. When we knew each other, I'd only been in America two years. I was a boy that had just spent five years in London. I had a very, very, so because I think your listeners now may be thinking, this is not a heavy London accent, but since in the last 40 years, traveling around the world, living in Egypt, living in Qatar, living in Thailand, my voice adapted. When I worked on TV, they said, I don't want English accent. MTV said that we want American to have a dialect coach. So what you remember, that heavy, heavy English really doesn't exist in me anymore. So the viewers, in case they're thinking, or the listeners are thinking, uh, it doesn't make sense. It was really heavy London, which which looks strange because I look like a Mexican. To them, I'm Mexican in, in L.A. They always took me for Mexican. So they wanted to, hey, hombre, 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 immigration, Hey, Ash, fatos locos for Vámonos, Oh, that's funny. Hey, Ash, you worked in Thailand. I want to ask you a couple of questions about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I traveled after college. I went to Thailand. It was yes. it was like an adult Disneyland for me. Okay. I, I love Asian women. And wow. I mean, this guy told me something. He goes, don't forget Bangkok. If you're not careful, you might bang your cock. That's what he told me. And I've lived by those words. Is there any truth to that? 
<laughs> I got okay. you. Okay, story. Can I can I tell a little story? Yes. Uh, I was 20, before I went uh, before I I met uh, uh, the fish. I worked in the casino in London, and there was one of our customers that used to go there all the time and always brag about not brag actually he wasn't a bragger. He told the truth about he'd go over there and pay us very minimal amount of money for the service, and it was it was free flowing and it, it was normal society there. Jump many years later, and I was heading over there. I was married. Alex was very small. And my first wife, because I've been married twice, said to me, oh, I've heard girls grab you in the street. What a bunch of rubbish. The truth of the matter is you got Phuket, you got Pattaya. The big, big street. And what they do is they've decided this, like Soho in London, this is where all the seedy part of life is going to take place. And it takes place. Outside of that, it's normal life, except for the fact you've got these girl places and there are more of them than local 7-Elevens in America. But there's no one grabbing you. They're sitting at the front. You make the deal and walk in and that's your choice. But there's none of this preconception that everywhere you go and, and right. in fact, I, it just doesn't, I didn't see it and I was there two and a half years. But I in never, the city, yeah. no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, finish your answer. No, I'm just saying, I I saw it, and and the way all these different places differentiated is that all the girls or girl boys or whatever wore different color t-shirts. But you chose to go to this area. It wasn't like you were going to the local laundry and suddenly someone grabbed you with a net and they're, they're, you're, you know the money was taken out. That that right. preconception just doesn't exist. But I love the country. I it's love a beautiful it. country, beautiful people. I just remember uh, somebody coming up and go, light show, light show. I go, is there a light show somewhere? I Sure, take me there. And sure, I can I wear my glasses? Uh, what I saw these women do on stage, I mean, it was, I don't know if I can tell. All right, I will. Um, <laughs> somebody shot a, a dart out of their private parts into a balloon. That's a skill. That was I was thank you very I mean I saw things on stage I, I think I'll never see again and uh it was it was fascinating uh, I, I really it wasn't my thing but you know I because I wanted to be in the culture I you know I part, I partake in a few of these events and I can, and I it's, really it's just for research research oh, yeah but uh, to be honest with you, I can't uh, I can't, I can't wait to go back. Uh, but uh, it was really fascinating. It was so much fun. The food. I love Asian food, Asian women, Asian anything, Asian at any time. So I can't go back there. I don't trust myself. No, okay. I love all of that. What I love most is that a long time ago, the king decided that the minimum wage was 10,000 baht. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember the exchange. It was about $300 when I was there, 2015. Um which allowed everybody to eat and drink well and go on a holiday. That is wonderful for a third world country. Oh my God, yeah. Then they learned the service industry. You go, you get a bottle of Coke, you got a little plastic bag, the long straw full of ice, you don't take the bottle and off you go. I mean, the service industry was just spectacular. And yeah. they they allow themselves, their people to enjoy a good style of life and by doing that, they lowered a lot of the big incomes down, so that the the you know the bottom the bottom 40 percent income still had a nice life, could have a nice vacation every year. I really respected that. Yeah, no, you are a nice. You talked about Qatar, and you talked about Thailand. You live in Italy, England, France, America. What country? Uh, and now you live in Sharm El Sheikh in, in Egypt. What country was your greatest adventure? That's a that's a good question. Because most people would say, "Where would you like to go back to?" And I would say, "One hundred percent Thailand." I love the people. It's affordable. I love the food. But greatest adventure, you know, I it's impossible to excuse me, impossible to answer because. I never like to go on holiday for like a week or two weeks. 
when I went to America first time, it was six months. Then I went back to England, saved money. Then it was 13 years. Then it was Italy, four years. Then it was Thailand, two and a half years. Then it was Qatar, three years. So in that time, uh, you know, there were wonderful times of my life in America, some beautiful times in Italy after I stopped being scared of going back to Europe of the food and the travel and the culture. Um, so it, that's a very hard one because I spent my youth in America, my 20, 20 to 30. What a wonderful time I had traveling across America, going across the 10 freeway twice from LA to New Jersey and to New York, three wow. years in Vegas. I mean, so it's, so to say one, because I get that a lot here. What you, what's better, Egypt or England? There's no better. Uh, there's uh, every good and bad, but I've had great times when I've when I've calmed down and I wasn't, you know, all uptight and wanted something. Each country gave me something special. Even Qatar. I mean, I don't be rude. That's not my favorite country, but I spent a year with my child as a baby with a lot of money to do everything we wanted as far as fun games. So even that gave me something. So that's a tough question, but it's a good one. Ash, did you say hard one? I heard you in that describing uh, when you asked the question, which place you like better. You said that's the, a hard, hard one. Oh, yeah. I, I, now yeah. I see we come from the hard now, one. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to figure out is, well, I'm trying to figure out, you, I want to get back Vegas. to the legend of Ash, I, I've been getting dirty looks from Fish. You have you left a legend behind it at Mom Saloon. And do you, are, besides Fish, do you talk to anybody else uh, in, uh, from those days? Do I? Did I what? Oh, you you were a legend what for that year at at you were a legend at Mom Saloon. Do you talk to anybody else that you work with besides Fish from back in those days? Not actually from Mum's Saloon, no, but the strange thing about it is very strange how in a very small period of your life, just before I met Fish, I was at Mum's Saloon and four girls came in. I was 22, they were 25. We're still friends to now. Those then, girls? Oh, those girls that were screaming? Oh. They're from, and then Fish, and then there was about 15 people in a period of six months that as still a part of my life right now. Uh, what you're pertaining to, I, I can't keep going back. It was the 80s, and it was, if I told the truth, this yeah. show would be very boring. You would be arrested. You would be arrested. But you're, no. No, the truth is. You fell in love with a girl. You were, you were, you, 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 you were a good to her. You, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't cheat on her. She was your girl. That's the way it was. But then now you you decided to have a different type of life. You met this wonderful woman that we just met, and that's your life. But I'm just saying, you didn't play games. You know what I'm saying? You told these people, are you a player? Yes, I'm a player. Yes, I did this. Yes, I'm enjoying my life. There were no expectations to a relationship or anything like that. I respect that. Okay, no, no, now I'm going to break your heart. You want to, you want your heart broken? Please, it's broken okay. every day, working with okay. Fish. <laughs> I met a man called Michael around that time. We were actually waiters in Nick's restaurant in, in uh, where the hell was it? Over the 405 freeway. Anyway, we became best friends. Truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, and when you try to, I'm not sure where you were going with that, Brad, before, but the truth of the matter is that I was a very lonely, insecure 25-year-old, and the fact that I spent a lot of time with a lot of women was nothing to do with sex, was to do with that I needed... Companionship? Not to feel alone at the end of the night. I understand. A lot of people do. And I think well, the fact and, and the fact that probably I was so popular was that they they realized that. No. And you often we come back, back and say, Let me why did you stay with me? Yeah. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, you were popular because you were sincere. And there's a lot of Mom Saloon alumni pages. And I'm the only guy you're going to know that was there from day one to day done. And when I educate people about the history of that place, and Brad and I are trying to do a little project about it, there was a guy named Ash Gindy for the first year that no, only few people know. Chris Fickle knows. Tony Visick knows the people that started that place. But there's no Mom Saloon without Ash Gindy, okay, in my opinion. And why people were attracted to you is because you were sincere. Why there were 17 women hanging with you at the end of the night is because you were sincere. You were never pompous assed. You were never, I'm not, I'm not trying to kiss your ass, but I learned from that. You don't have to be, you don't have to be on stage all the time or say the, the, the lines, just being yourself, knowing that you were alone. I don't know if you're lonely because I never saw, I never, I mean, the, I mean, at times we went out afterwards. Remember those times? You had, yeah. we had there we went after the, after the bar was closed. You knew private club owners, you the parties, and at parties, you would hold the drink a certain way and you would have dialogue for a 25 year old that 25 year olds don't have. You knew literature and stuff like that. You know what I knew back then? Okay, was <laughs> this, <laughs> I, I knew, <laughs> hey man. Did you see Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Remember when Spicoli was in the car and he was smoking pot? It was a good movie, I tell you. Without that, it would be whatever his name is. That's the thing. That's why, and every single time I would say, thank God for Facebook. Because I would say, I, I kept in touch with a lot of people for moms. And when Facebook came along, we and we said, what the hell ever happened to Ash Gindy? The guy's got to be, I say he's modeling somewhere. But I look at your resume, I'm going to segue. I mean, you're an actor. You're a writer, you're a teacher, you're a host. I mean, the only thing you haven't done was manage a Kentucky Fried Chicken, but some <laughs> tells you you've done that too. <laughs> no, that's 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 probably right. <laughs> but you, you know what? I was talking to my son, the other, I was talking to Alex the other day because we, we have to make, you know, he's 12. I said, a little bit more time before he decides where to go. And I said, either he decides he loves something I never wanted to be anything. I just, uh, I was never, I mean, if you read any of Paulo Coelho's books and the alchemist and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. it's a, you know, warrior and all of this. I mean, it's, I wasn't lucky. My father was an engineer from the, from day one till the, he died. I never wanted to be anything. I just waited for the signs and I was lucky enough to, that uh, life, you know, guiding me. I mean, we can't all work in a factory for 40 years. I mean, we need these people. Otherwise, you know, otherwise there'd be no life. We'd have no shoes. But uh, but uh, I was just lucky enough and worked hard enough. I've, I've got a great friend. He should be on your show. His name is Tony Tony Stock. He lives in England. Um, I, uh, he came to my to Sharma Sheikh with uh, his friend Marcus. They were in a rock and roll band. And they were semi-famous say 25 years ago anyway this man works his butt off and we're very similar and he said you know so many friends he's he's doing well for himself he said they always say you know you fall you fall down you fall in shit and you still come out smelling good he says they don't know how many things i try constantly how many times i fail and i still stand up and I go forward they think that i do every project and i've just made a million dollars no the guy fails at 90% of what he does, but then he gets up and does another new 10 projects. That, I mean, that's, that's I'm trying to instill that in my son that get up, you fail, get up. It's okay. No problem. You lost a tennis match, be a tennis, better tennis player. And I you, really yeah. believe that. That's why I've done 50 jobs in my life. Yeah. That's what I've learned. I've learned from Brad. We're friends, but Brad never quits. Never. Guy's an actor, working actor. He's always doing something. And in that business, He's never let rejection get you. I've known actors that, that that can't take rejection in life, and they get out of it because their egos are too big. So I make fun of this guy that all he cares about is Asian girls right now. But he's a hard worker. Like yeah, he, can't, he can't go back to Thailand yeah. though. I mean, I, I want to hear why exactly. You got to take him to Thailand. You know, they have eye scans in Thailand. He probably wouldn't pass the eye scan. Beep 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 beep. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't even get into the airport. Why don't you pay? Why don't you pay for Ash? And you guys go to Thailand, he could be your guide because I would love that. That would be That's, hangover number five, the movie. That would be oh. incredible. Oh. Just to hang out with Ash and watch his every move. But Ash, I always learned from my dad, never give up. Tomorrow's a brand new day. 
if you have to fail from the university of failure to ever succeed. And that's, you know, little Alex should know, keep pushing, keep doing. Never and then all of a sudden it all comes together, luck and timing. And then you found what you want to do. And you become very successful at it. And uh, really, but I have to commend you, Ash, because I'm from LA. I've seen a lot of uh, abuse uh, towards women. I've seen a lot of abuse towards men. I'm, I'm so thankful Me Too came about. But I tell you something, you told the truth. You told these women the truth. And this is what you do. And if you want to be a part of it, great. If not, I love you ever uh, just the same. And that takes a real man. You know, there's all these selfish people out there, men and women that want this, they want that. That's not what it is. You hurt people's feelings. You violate them. You need to be taken care of and accounted and accounted for. And these people don't. And that's why each one of them with Me Too is being found and being dealt with. It might, it's called karma. It'll find you. But Ash, you're a good man. You're a good man, buddy. So you're yeah. fine. Thank you. Ash, um, one thing I have to get into is Days in a Maze, Simply Unthinkable. He his his books on poetry, Bradley. Mm-hmm. And you get it on, and we're going to plug it and so get it on Amazon Kindle. Um, yeah. It's a part of me that I, that, that 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 I read and 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 seeing you is passion, and your writings are terrific. And that when you write that kind of poetry, it says everything about who you are. I commend you on it. Tell me about that process in your life about writing. I was a nineteen-year-old. Working in the casino in London. At the end of the night, I'd write things on napkins. And I met a guy. I'm not sure if the, it was a Thailand guy or another guy who just said, just keep writing. So I kept writing, putting, you know, at the end of the night, you never know if it's any good or not. I couldn't play the guitar very well, three or four chords. So, you know, I'm, I'm singing 15 different songs with the same, you know, set of chords. And my voice, trust me, singing is not... I wish is not one of my gifts. Anyway, I come to Egypt. I meet I meet this gay female choreographer, and we get on great. We start dating, and then I I have the courage. I I send her at this bag, and she said, "What's it? Why is this in this bag?" She took the bag and she put it on the computer. We still had computers, but. No, this is not 30 years ago. What am I talking about? 30, 20 years ago. She put it on her computer. And then we ended up with getting like 12, 13. And I really didn't know what was good or bad. I knew what I liked. And and it's very hard sometimes to think that, you, that what you do, someone else may like. You know, I've, I've always had that problem. Um, so anyway... Long story short, she puts it together, we release it, and uh, and the writing confidence started from there. Um, but but for sure, uh, for anyone who wants to write, 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 we all have something to say, but it is the hardest form of expression because being on TV, they liked me or they didn't like me. On radio is the same. Writing, if you write like me, it comes from the heart. And when someone doesn't like, it really hurts. But you have to just let it go because it's not your right to say, no, you didn't understand it right. No, they understood exactly what they were, what they read. So you can have someone read something and say, wow, this is deep. And someone else say, this is fluff. This is like, this is like a fortune cookie. And you have to say, thank you and be humble because, you, you know, it's not fair to say someone, no, no, well, you should have read this and this and this. No. They read what you wrote. So to expose yourself, it is that for me, without doubt, after being on TV 25 years, radio nine years, it is the hardest. It is like going and asking a girl to dance for the first time. And one week she says yes. And next week you have courage, you go up and she says no. And you have to walk back to your drink. And inside you are destroyed because <laughs> you took that chance. Right. As they say, there's a lot of fish in the sea, right? Uh, well, there's only one fish here. The, yeah, ma- the main like- grandfather fish. The main, yeah, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
going to be a great grandfather. And for you, uh, we have two questions on our show that we ask every guest. One is, oh. uh, what was your first job when you were a little kid, little Ash, growing up? What was your first job, paying job? What was that? Paying from my parents or paying from external? Oh, just like a paper route or McDonald's or a job no, that I'm... you went and got and you, you worked when you were a little kid. And how old was that? I think, I, I think the first was clearing snow all it took was a, all it took was was a, a shovel and a, one of these packs of salt and you right, look right, at the neighbors right. and say can i clean your driveway and they say and they look at this little shrimp you know seven years old and they say you know why not so you put salt all over it and drag it so they could take their car out well how um, much did you get for that how much um very, very little. I believe it was like five English pennies when England used to have 240 pennies to the English pound. You know, the oh, English are oh, crazy. Yeah. So right now, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, two cents. Oh, my God. I knew how to make money. Two cents. Oh, my, you, you, uh, you're, you're another Rockefeller. Um, oh, the other question I have for you is what would you tell... Uh, your younger Ash, what would you tell? You've lived an incredible life, traveled around the world, you've dated, you've met uh, wonderful women, you have a beautiful son, but what would you tell your younger self? Would you have changed anything in your life to this date? So that's a great question, and the answer is very simple for me because I talk about it all the time. I will change nothing. I am so grateful for what I have in my life and I would not have it. Oh, you're getting a little emotional. I like that. That's okay. It's okay, Ash. Take you wouldn't minute. have it if you didn't meet me. Doris, <laughs> <laughs> fish ruined your life. That was the emotional part. You know, thank you for saying <laughs> I, I, no, I, would, I would not change a thing and I would tell myself don't be so scared. Everything scared me in my life. Mm. And uh, the one constant is people always looked at me and said, God, you're so confident. And that was the opposite of everything I ever was. I've never been confident in my life about anything. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to get you out of this a little bit. Talk to us about you working at MTV, which is so big in the 80s and ah. 90s. Oh, what wow. What was MTV what was days that? like? What was that this like? is luck. All right, all right, all right. This, this is a good story. Are you ready for a, a three-minute story? Yes, please. Uh, thank you. Okay, I'm in Las Vegas. My best friend Mike is having a party in some place in Venice, some nightclub. He invites me over. It was my Elvis era. I sucked at it because my hair was great. I was about 32 years old, 33 but I couldn't grow sideburns because there was a big hole there. As you see, those in that picture, there were no sideburns. I had the sideburns of a 15-year-old because they wouldn't grow. <laughs> the hair was missing on my face. So anyway, I turn up to this nightclub. I am, I mean, I've had a few. I am pulling every girl in the place, not pulling as in pulling, I knew everybody because they were my friends, girlfriends, and wives. So I am dancing with every girl in the place. Not a single girl says no to me. Then a guy comes up to me and says, uh, Ash, uh, uh, he didn't know. He says, uh, no, he didn't say Ash. She said, he says, uh, I've been watching you all night. Would you like to uh, have a job on MTV? And I'm thinking, you know, the guy's hidden on me. So, uh, so I said, yeah, sure. Anyway. At the end of the night, I stay at my best friend's place. He tells me this guy is his relative. He watched me on the dance floor with all these girls, thought that I was like Mr. Stud, but they were my friends. Of course, they didn't not say no to drunk Ashley. And <laughs> that, that he really thought I could fit. So I went back to Vegas, flew back. I made a, the tape, the worst tape you can ever imagine. I spoke Arabic. It sucked. On the tape, I got my arms down. I'm... I'm Without, it looked like I'm grumpy dick on there because, like, you know, you got your arms down and holding, you know, and I sent it off. And 
the, the Saudis who owned uh, Orbit Television said, who the hell is this guy? He can't speak Arabic. I tried to speak French. My French sucked and he's grabbing his dick. So, you know, after that, they, <laughs> they took me. And I arrived in Italy and they said, sorry, the Saudis don't like you. Change your voice. So I went to a coach for six weeks. They only gave me half salary. After the six weeks, I re-auditioned and they accepted me. That's a wow. true story of MTV. How long did you work for them? Uh, well, it was actually a very short period of time, about um, about nine months, because MTV was part of Orbit Television, which is in the Middle East and North Africa, though they can be seen all over the world. They had a, such a big argument, MTV said, no, we don't agree. So they said, I feel, so they changed it to music now. So technically, I was only on MTV uh, nine months, and but then it changed over to music now, and I spent three, three and a half years. I became the interviewer there, and I interviewed uh, maybe 120, 130, um, Michael Jackson, um, wow. uh, Bon Jovi, uh, Tina Turner. I was very lucky wow. to be the head uh, interviewer, and uh, and and. The funny thing about it is that I'm the one who ended the contract because I was flying all over Europe interviewing people, which sounds wonderful, but I was just so lonely living out of a suitcase that I thought that uh, this was enough. And now I look back thinking, what are you, you nuts? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, three years of living out of a suitcase, it's good in the fantasy of people who look up and say, wow, uh, or look at uh, whatever young stars on stage and a million people are saying, you know, whatever. I don't even know, uh, BTS or whoever. The truth of the matter is when you go back to the hotel room, you are on your own. There are no million fans screaming your name and you wake up alone and do it again. And after three years, I wasn't one of them. I have no Michael Jackson. But in my limited small world, three years of doing that, just destroyed myself. So I, I can see how these big superstars, Taylor Swift, whatever, can go through therapy because you're leaving 50,000 fans and you're going back to the hotel room alone. I was leaving 20 people and going back alone and I felt terrible. So imagine leaving that much love and going back to your life that doesn't have that love. You really yeah. need the sports system so it's not all it seems, but it's yeah. a nice life while it lasts. How, how, uh, uh, first of all, how old were you, were you when you did those interviews and what was the best interview you had? With, with oh, let's see. I, was, I joined MTV at 34, 35. Without doubt, the best two interviews was Michael Stipe. I felt I was beside greatness and Janice Smith. Uh, Janice. Janice. Michael uh, Stipe of REM. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Janice. Sorry, I'm saying the same first. That's okay. Janice. Janice. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I can't. Well, I was this woman. And, uh, hey, Ash, Ash. Janice, yes. was a girl, Janice was the girl you pulled out of the Playboy Mansion when we were there in 1983. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me help you there memory there, son. I'll tell you, that was, that was an interview of sorts. No, yeah. <laughs> why I felt I was like beside greatness. Uh, the, 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 the manager came and said, ended the interview, and both looked up and said, we decide. And both looked at me and said, Ash, carry on. And, wow. it felt, and it felt like they wanted to, it, it was all about them, nothing about me. But I think they, they appreciate the fact that uh, I didn't really care about the last album. I want to know about them, their life, what yes. had gone on. And there was just, you know, you, you look at someone. Uh, I mean, sometimes you don't know. Like, 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 I mean, it's like, why, why after 40 years, you know, Fish and I can talk in this level. Why, why I meet my love here and one night she's like, your heart's beating. It's like, who knows why the reason. But with those two uh it was, there was something magical. I mean, there's others I wish that, you know, I, I, I wish I'd met Oprah, Muhammad Ali, and David Letterman. 
Those oh, three, I wish I'd interviewed. But you know what's great about an interview, and Fish knows this, is to peek behind the curtain of life. Everybody knows when you're on stage and you're singing your songs, but I want to know the real person. And, we, and today you showed a little emotion, Ash, and that was a beautiful thing. Thank you for you know, putting down the walls and, and expressing you know, how you really feel about these questions. Um, when was the first time you knew you wanted to get rid of Fish out of your life? That's what I really want to know. Was it when he said hello? Well, he had you at a hello. Well, you know, you know, well the, the truth is, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to admit to, but considering he found me again, you know, it was like I mean, I mean what's the chances? What's the chances he'd find me again? So, you know, but but I have you know, seen the pictures of the new baby, and he's so proud. You know, I don't like social media very much, tell you the truth. And I try to spend as little time as I can. And it's a big danger for the future. I think what you guys are doing is beautiful. You know, no matter what, how many receive, you know, it's a kind of show that is like Larry King on the old CNN. He did an interview. Right. He wants to know. None of these flashbangs, uh, uh, Fox, uh, but at the... And then, you know, it's like that that's all effect, like like the games for the kids. I try to keep, you know, these games that my son plays. I mean, this, what you're doing is wonderful to get an audience to listen to real values. Going back to fish, you know, it's like, you know, you got, you got me there, Brad. You know, I, I tried, you know, but he threw in, you know, he threw in the children, the grandchildren. Hey, listen, I'm a softie, Alas. He got me. I'm back in. I'll tell you this. I'm going to wrap it up. We'll wrap it up with Ashley L. Gindy by saying, I want to thank you for mentoring a young, immature nightclub bartender to be, you, you taught me how to be a man in a year and you taught me grace and you, and you taught me class. And for years, I always wondered what happened to you. So you, you could hate social media and I get all the dangers of it, but social media reconnected us, reconnected wow. me and Brad. Yeah. And you were a big part of my life. You don't know that. I get emotional about that. And I'm so glad that you're in my life again. And I'm going to try and make it to Sharm El Sheikh and, and hang out with you. You know, uh, it, I, my wife gives me a hall pass. Um, you know, does your girlfriend have any friends? Because I don't care. I don't care what they are. I'm kidding. <laughs> bring, the, bring, bring the missus. Bring the missus. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring them. We, you'll love We me. have plenty wanna, of room. I don't want to bring the missus because she'll love you. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But no, but yeah. no, it's it, listen. Ash, who plays right. there, is, there is a good part of social media. You're right. Yes. Ash, who plays the Ash Gindy story? I'm thinking Keanu Reeves. Maybe show that picture again. Yeah, there we go. Maybe a Keanu Reeves. Who plays you in your uh, life story? Tom Cruise. By the way, how old are you? How old are you? Um 64 right now. Oh my God, you look fantastic, man. Dude. You're kind. You're kind. Okay. You know who's going to play me? Yeah. My son. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. There you go. I don't, know. I, I don't know what he wants to do with his life, but I've. he hated being on TV with me. Then by the second or third time, yeah. he, has, he has the ability to look in the camera. It took me two years to be able to be myself. Now the camera goes on. I'm on myself. I don't care. Some people never become themselves. They have to put the big persona. By about four times, after four times, Alex is Alex. You put the camera on, no difference. And you guys, what I feel, by the way, why I like what you just, what we just did here. And sorry, I haven't watched you guys. I, I, I've seen it on the Facebook and seen little parts. Is that I feel like if I met you, if I left this and saw you in a bar in five minutes, we would be exactly the same. And that's an art form, my friend. That's yeah. why Oprah is the most famous woman in this planet, because yeah. she managed to be herself in front of the camera and 99.999% don't have the confidence to be that person because they don't think they're good enough. And we're all good yeah. enough, but we don't yeah. have the confidence. I really and believe that. You, and whoever you are, it's, we just ended Pride Month. Let me tell you, if you're straight, gay, trans, Whatever you are, just be you. Be you. You're good enough. Love yourself. 
and don't listen to the noise because all these people are jealous and it doesn't matter. Love is love. You're born a certain way. Take it and run with it and be the happiest person you can be. That's what I believe. And, and I, I it seems as though you are a very happy guy, sir. And Amen. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. This has been wonderful. No, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not that old. You can ask me again before, you know, before. Uh, you'll be I, back. You'll oh, be anytime, have, any, anytime. Okay. Any, <laughs> <laughs> something else to talk about, but uh, anytime. Well, we leave Ashley Algindi with this. Please go to Amazon Kindle and get Days in the Maze. Get his poetry. It'll lighten you up. It'll show you. It'll go into your soul. So, yes. you know, people like me that have gone through stuff, you, you need to read this guy's poetry because that says everything about life. I love you. Thanks for reconnecting. And That's, we'll see you again, my yes, friend. Thank you very much. I love you All too, right. Ash. Right, I, I just met you. Thanks. Great meeting you, buddy. Really. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Beautiful family. God bless you. Stay safe, okay? We love you. We love you, Ash. You too, Thank you, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great interview. What a guy, huh? Passion. I haven't seen him in 40 years. We we came in the queue. He came in the queue, and you you did. And, you know, it's like we just picked up. And so what I always try and tell people about podcasts, and you get it because you're you're a, a successful podcast person, uh, you have another show, which I'm going to show you a picture in a minute. It's three guys talking in a bar, and he brought that up. It's about being yourself and just having fun. Um, we have to um, first of all, how are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing good. I had a good weekend. Uh, I just wanted to uh, share with you. I want to send my uh, my prayers and my love for your cousin Brad. God bless him. What a what a special guy. He did unbelievable things in his life, and we just want to uh, you know tell you that uh we're with you and i love you eric and uh and, and brad loves you and uh you know he taught you a lot and uh he's not you know he he lived a short life it, it's just it's so wrong I, I don't understand why bad things happen to great people and brad was one of them that's him oh that's great it's funny his name is brad he's five months younger than i am and just a, a lifelong, a treasure of memories and fun and camps together. I will tell you this. Your name is Brad. Brad, who I'm very close to, his brother's name is Greg, and you're close to, to Greg. It's a weird symmetry. Oh, his brother's name is Greg? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And, and it's funny. My wife, you know, last night, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights that won the Stanley Cup. Wow. I do believe you, you talked about karma early in the show, and a guy from the Golden Knights named Mark Stone, had three goals, which yeah. is called the hat trick for people to, that, that are casual hockey fans. Brad's last name was Stone. Listen wow. to this. Stone, Mark Stone's number is 61. Brad was born in 1961. So my wife is, we're crying last night and said, wow. I know what the Knights mean to this town, Las Vegas. It's brilliant what they've done in six years. Every organization should be like them. So there was some good symmetry there. Um, I got to show you a couple. I want to, and I, we'll go about Brad. I want to show you a couple of, if I can get to it, I want to show you a couple of pictures that involve you that I think is great. Brad does a, another podcast called How'd You Start with this beautiful woman, Lauren Francesca. I just love this picture. Well, you, you play that Captain Snacks character. Look, look how lucky. And what's the guy in the middle's name? He's an Italian kid. What's the, the, the oh, little guy? That's name? Joe Griffo. Joe, Joe Griffo. Griffo. Talk about great Joe guy. Griffo because. He's leaning into that beautiful lady. That's <laughs> social influencer. They got a great podcast. I'm plugging it. Um, how did you start? They've had Tom Sizemore, Barry Williams. They've had Robert uh, Carradine on. A lot of actors they had me on. Nick Turturro, uh, Dave Collier. The list goes on. We've been very blessed. We've done uh, probably over 105 uh, episodes. It's been a great, great time. And we continue. But... Uh, I'm trying to get rid of you. This will be my last one. I want to make an announcement, just like Pat Sajak. I want to say this is it. Now, uh, Joe Griffo, great guy. I love Joe Griffo. Joe Griffo because Joe lives his life. Joe is a little person, but he lives his life. He's a great actor. And I want to ask him to do uh, that bit for uh, this company called Get Dismissed. He was, let's do it. And we got those outfits. And uh, I think that, you know, these little pieces were what I did for this company. And they brought a lot of business 
to people who um, got moving violations only in California. And there's a law called trial by declaration where you send your uh, ticket in with your complaint and they try and they can di dismiss it uh, over the, you know, really over the mail and you don't have to go into court. Saves time, saves, and you know, people, power, all that stuff. But uh, I did all, I did 60 spots with my friend, Mark Sanderson, great guy. He filmed them, edited them. I wrote them, he wrote them. It was great. It was a fun, but I, I got to hire all these great actors and Joe Griffo was one of the best. He put on that outfit and it was pretty hilarious. Give us, I got a couple more. One, 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 one of you that I love that you sent me because I want you to give an update. Our fans say, give us an update. This is Bradley Grunberg and the great director, David Milch. And writer, writer, writer. I'm sorry, but okay, writer. One of his, his resume is phenomenal, and you guys are actually you know, giving props to the writers and and, yeah, and we, writers. Yeah, what yeah, what's we, the latest on that? For yeah, we walked the line. I picked David up. He's a dear friend. David Milch is was has been so amazing to me. He uh, he met me in the commissary when I was uh, 20 years old, and he put me in NYPD Blue in the pilot and he always believed in me and treated me like I, I like people that treat waiters and staff people like people you know and he i goofed on him i made him laugh and he said oh, you're an actor i go yeah i think i got something for you and he put me in the pilot with mr stephen bochco the legend and sure. uh he i um uh he is a wonderful man and uh, sadly he has dementia now um but i wanted yeah and i and wanted i, I know that yeah, yeah I, he has the, the serious dementia. He's announced it. It's it's it, people know. I wanted to um, I wanted to I wanted him to be a part of uh, the writer strike because he is a writer and a proud writer. And so I picked him up and we went to, to the line of 20th Century Fox where we met 30 something years ago. And we walked the line. We took and oh, everybody wanted to take a picture with him. And it was wonderful. We did a true mitzvah for the writers, for just show business. And a uh, status report is the directors always settle. It's amazing. They never strike. They got double of what they wanted. Okay, so maybe that will be, you know, uh, a prelude to what they're going to do with us, the actors, and what they're going to finally do with the writers who started this. Writers are the most important thing to TV and film. It's the word on the page. You're a writer, Fish, you know. I mean, these writers need to be respected, okay? These streaming companies, these studios are making billions of dollars, okay? We just want a fair piece of the pie. That's all, a living wage so we can take care of our families, okay? We get what we deserve. We get our residuals, okay? And we're not talking about a lot of money in the grand scheme of things here, okay? This is all about greed. All about greed, okay? And I'm going to tell you something. If they do not do it and do the right thing, Hollywood will be closed down because I love Teamsters. They won't cross the line. No one in a union will cross the line. So it's over. And basically, right. they'll only have unscripted stuff, reality stuff, and that's not enough. Yeah. Well, let's, let, on a lighter note, um, a fan of the show, a, a, a guy that you became friends with, a former guest, said that we have a fan. And he goes, let me get a picture to you. And he goes, this guy likes fat fish. That is Frankie Oli with Chaz Palmateri. Oh, God. I love get Chaz. To finance us. But he goes, fish, this guy loves your show. and Because he's friends with them. You know, I told you Frankie knows people. And he goes, I love Frankie. Yeah. Oh, that's thank you, Frankie. Thank you. Yeah, so much. whatever you know, Chaz was around. Him and Frankie get together. So thank you, uh, Chaz, for like you, Chaz. Chaz. No, I know yeah. we've been gone for a couple of weeks. There's been stuff happening in life, but we're we're, we're back, and we're gonna have shows like this because I love this guy. He makes fun of me. Look at these glasses. My God, they're horrible. Jesus, they're better. I, I think they're better. I, Are those I, new? But I think I look, look like Buddy Holly. I just, it's a ridiculous. Well, Buddy Holly did pretty well, better than you. Uh, um, no, it's, before it's, we, before we, I want to end with a little tribute to my cousin. You, you kind of brought it up. I want I wanted to give you props because we like to talk sports. And you you said if any team months ago the NBA playoffs were two months. You said if any team doesn't win it, not named the Golden State Warriors, it would be 
the Denver Nuggets because of the Joker, Jokic, Murray, um, uh, Aaron, uh, what's his name? Aaron Gordon. So I want you to go off for about a minute, minute and a half on the Nuggets and what you think their prognosis is for next year since they're such a young team. I think they're fantastic. My, my buddy, Jamie Wager, he's a, a writer manager. He told me, you watch this guy, the Joker, you watch him. He's coming. And I go, okay, Denver Nuggets. Who would think of the Denver? I have never seen a big man like the Joker play the way he plays. He runs the court. He's long. He's 7-1 and moves like a gazelle. I have never seen it in in the NBA. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he ran like a gazelle. But this guy, he's young. He's 28 years old. I'm telling you, they're going to they're going to win more championships. They are great. And, and you saw when, uh, I don't know, Murray broke down because he had, you know, two years, he had to rebuild his knee. He, you know, he tore his ACL. And my God, he was uh, incredible. The pick and rolls, the defense, it was incredible. And I got to give props to Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Butler, wow. He, he did every, he, to the very last play, to the very last, ounce he gave everything he had and Miami showed who thought of Miami in the in the finals right great coach great organization but I will tell you I love the owner of the Denver I, you know look at the owner of the Denver Nuggets he owns the Rams yeah. he owns the Nuggets and he owns the Colorado Avalanche doesn't he Stan Kroenke yeah Stan Kroenke he, owns like, oh he married God. into the Walmart family and his and the wall married the Walmart uh, Sam Walton's daughter. His son Todd Walton now owns a Denver Broncos. So Walmart has oh, a big wow. in, in 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 sports. Uh, I, I want to end it with with Brad about, but I want to talk about. Um, uh, I'm wearing a Grateful Dead T-shirt because there was two to three hundred people at the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills giving a celebration of life to this guy right here. This past. Oh. And it was it was one of the most beautiful celebrations of life. His brother Greg killed it, as far as the speech that he made. But all I could say, if I can give you a couple of stories, we went to basketball camp in 1972 at Cal. There was a Bill Sharman, Jerry West basketball camp. Brad Grumberg knows who those guys are, but those are ex Lakers. No, I was there. I was I was at, I was at John. Yeah, Lewis. Was at the well, it's the first time Brad and I are away. Brad, my cousin Brad Stone from <laughs> from our parents. We're in our dormitory, and right outside our dormitory is a vending machine. And Brad takes a quarter and puts it in and pulls out for the Zagnut bars. All the Zagnut bars come down. Puts a quarter. He looks at me and goes, what the fuck? Puts a quarter in. All the Milky Ways come down when he pulls a lever. Puts, he figures out that they're all coming down. We took everything out of that. <laughs> and somehow he figured out a way to sell to the rest of the people in the camp without the counselors knowing and we each made 10 bucks. And this oh, is 12 years old. So you knew oh, the guy was going to be great. successful in life. He got his real estate license at 17, you know, and he was just the, the salt of the earth. And, you know, if I could say anything about my cousin Brad, you know, in a world so divided in such anger and hate, the only thing divided that this guy had in his entire soul was the amount of love that he divided around everyone in his life, including me. And, you know, you, 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 I've known him my entire life. I don't want to get too emotional, but I didn't get a chance to talk at it, at his thing it was, there's too many people and there was structured, but I'm going to say it on this podcast that I see a lot of Brad Stone and Brad Grumberg and you, your inner circle shapes you and Brad Stone shaped me. You know, and um, I hope there's a better place. I hope there's the afterlife because right now he's got a big shot of tequila right now. And he's looking down on all of us and he's saying, hey, cheers. Absolutely. That was beautiful. Just to, you to say that, he reminds me of uh, me. It's, it's very touching. You know, when people go, they watch over the ones they love. And I can guarantee you that Brad is watching over you and your family. And he left us way too soon. But let me tell you, he made his mark on, on the time he had here. 
and a lot of people can't say that. So, yeah. Brad, we miss you. Yeah, we, yeah. You did in your life, and we will never forget you. Thank you, thank you, Brad Grumberg. Thank you. We we'll just get out of here. We got. Uh, we'll want to thank this guy, Ashley Algindi. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show. This yeah. guy's good guy. Look at him. Uh, if I was gay, if I was, yeah, yeah, you know, you know. judge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's get us out of here, Brad Grumberg. Hey. Show number one, number 15 in the books. I'm Brad Grun Grunny Grunberg, a.k.a. Snacks, and that's Eric the Fish Schneider. This is Fat Fish. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Thanks. Rest Stay in, safe. Rest in peace, Brad. And remember, health is wealth. Right. February 20th, 1961, June 4th, 2023. Legend.